Welcome to the MacauCast. This is our, our second episode, our first episode with an actual title. We're here to uh, talk about some Macau stuff. We'll introduce ourselves in a minute, but we're, we're heading there in a few months. And so talking about our, our trip planning and also maybe some other topics as we go. My name is Hunter, and I'm joined by uh, both Eric and Han. Hey, guys. Hey, what's you, going on? How you doing? Good, good. You guys are doing well, I hope. Very well, thank you. You? Very well, a little cold in Chicago. Well, uh, why don't we just jump right in? Last time when we talked, we covered a bunch of different ground, talking about the trip that we've got planned. All of us are going to Macau in March of 2019. For those folks that maybe didn't hear the first episode, you can go back and listen to a little bit about uh, some of where the where the idea for the trip came from and some of the stuff that we're excited about and some of the places we're planning to stay. But we've got so much other ground to cover. So... Why don't we start with some of the stuff that's different, potentially different between Macau. Uh, one of the things, so um, some listeners of this probably know that in the run-up to the previous two trips that I did, we did a, a separate podcast called 88 Days to Macau that chronicled the same sort of process. And one of the things that we talked about a bunch on that show, especially after we had been through the cycle once, was the differences in sort of the service culture between Las Vegas, which all of us are very familiar with, and Macau, and how that's different, and what's better, and what's worse. And at least, I think, at that time, in both 2016 and 2017, I can speak at least for myself, I was I was surprised by what felt like a, a little bit of a different vibe in terms of the folks that were serving me in Macau. Seemed a little excited about doing their work, and I, I noted, and others noted, that with Las Vegas stuff, of course, there are great people that can provide excellent service in a lot of those hotels, but it had seemed to me, uh, on the whole, a little bit on the on the downtrend. And you know, there were some folks that I think thought we were being a little bit too pessimistic, a little bit too negative about Las Vegas and how things were going, and that's fair criticism. But I think it's an interesting topic. And so, as you guys too are constant Vegas visitors, and uh, now at least Eric, in your case, visiting Macau for the first time, I'd love to hear about from what you've heard, what you're expecting, and if you, you know, how how it, you think it should compare, how you hope it may compare to uh, what you've seen in Vegas. I think my love of Vegas started with just incredible service experiences. I started going to Vegas in 2003. These multi-trips per year started in 2013, and I can pinpoint what had occurred and what made me fall in love with the city. I rented a car with Hertz. I had business in California, and then I drove down to Vegas, and I did a one-way drop-off. And I didn't drop it off at McCarran. I dropped it off at a hotel. And it was this unbelievably pleasant, seamless experience. And I commented to the girl who had taken the car and checked everything out. I said, wow, that was really easy. And with a smile, she said to me, well, this is Las Vegas. If we want to stay in business, it has to be friendly and easy. And at that point in time, that really was my experience with Las Vegas. Everybody was happy to have your business. They appreciated you being there. And I believe, at least at that point in time, employees of casinos in particular 
were appreciative of those jobs. They were being treated well, so all of the guests were being treated well. And fast forward to 2018, I feel like a lot of that has changed. Han and I were recently in Las Vegas about three weeks ago, and we went from poor customer service experience to poor customer service experience. Admittedly, most of our uh, stops were downtown and off strip, so my expectations are lower there than they might be at Wynn, Encore, Bellagio, you know, so far and so forth. But it really felt like we were inconveniencing people by giving them business. And it's really given me pause. So based on the 88 Days uh, podcast, I, I have this hope, this, I hope it's not a misfounded belief that Macau is going to be different and it's going to give me the feeling I had back in 2013 where my business was wanted, appreciated, and the treatment was in line with such. Han, uh, what's your take? Well, what you're describing, Eric, it sounds eerily familiar, but I experienced that in Macau in, in 16. Like, okay, now, granted, I was staying at the Ritz-Carlton, and that's probably the highest-end property there. But the service there was seamless. I mean, everyone made me feel welcome there, special there. And we were only staying there one night. I mean, even the next day, they got a car for us to drive us to Wind Palace. I mean, I didn't even ask for that. They just thought, okay, we'll do that for you. And then they gave us a picture because it was our anniversary. I don't know. Maybe that's something that happens at all Ritz-Carlton's around the world. I'm not sure. But it made me feel like maybe in Macau, there's like a special level of service that you just don't get anywhere. I've never gotten that kind of experience anywhere in the world. And yes, it's at a very high-end place, but I kind of got that sense everywhere I was in Macau. I didn't stay at the like lowest-end places there, so I, I don't know what, what that's quite like, like an SJM joint on the peninsula. I didn't do that. But even at the mid-level joints in Macau, um, yet late, late checkout, uh, there's all these refrigerators full of drinks that you can have without being docked you know i mean it's just kind of a different mentality there and maybe it's because they're flowing with money with the gamblers and gambling is leading the revenues there which it's not happening in vegas as we know and so maybe it's not surprising what's happening in vegas again i don't want to be totally negative about vegas there's a lot of great experience i i have and have had but uh, the last trip yes was very frustrating on so many levels um i don't want to go on and on about that. People know, who know me know my feelings and they can ask me privately if they want. Well, I think that's interesting, right? So one of the things that you mentioned was, was fees and Las Vegas for better or worse had the hotels have very much gotten into the, the sort of what the airlines do, like charge you for every little thing, whether it's uh, an early check-in or a late checkout or, you know, the, I'd like a, view that's not of the parking lot or you know i'd like my room to be cleaned i don't think it's gone that far yet but it's probably coming and it's interesting because for whatever reason and actually i think you speculated there and some of those may be related that doesn't seem to be the case in macau and it'll be interesting to see if that's changed since i was there last time because you know in some senses these fees are sort of like free money for these companies even though i think they do irritate customers i think you know it's like well sure the customers pay them but 
you see a lot of people griping about them, right? Whether it's resort fee, which also is, I believe, still not a thing in Macau. Whether it's a resort fee or a fee for, you know, an early check-in or late check-out. But, uh, you know, those sort of things that kind of grind the, the folks that are, that are going to Vegas, especially if you go often. They start to add up, and I think they contribute to that feeling of like, man, this used to be just a little bit better. And I kind of hate that saying that in a way because I, I don't like the sort of like this place was better when the mob ran the ran the joint kind of sure. idea because it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, the, the rose-colored glasses thing. But it is different to see that there isn't there doesn't seem to be, and again, it'll be interesting to see if this has changed at all, the sort of litany of, of extra fees that have become part of the Vegas experience. I do want to say about Vegas, though, that it does seem like maybe the tide is turning just a bit. I mean, you start seeing these specials recently that say no resort fees or something like this. Like, this is a way to draw you in. But it's still kind of weird that that they were there in the first place. So it's just like you're you're taking away something that you're imposing on me, and I should be grateful. Um, it's, just, it's a little weird. It is interesting to see how there does seem to be, whether it's, you know, business being a little bit lighter than normal or whatever the the various drivers are but it does seem to be like there's a little bit more competition for some of these customers and they are doing stuff like eliminating giving you a freebie on parking or service fee stuff which is interesting hey eric i want to ask you i mean you you're a big player in, in a sense i mean you get comp quite frequently and so you don't even face fees a lot of the times but but you're you seem to still be saying that there's a service issue that that even a player like yourself is experiencing in in Vegas and perhaps in Atlantic City as well. Yeah, so my issue isn't with the fees. Um, I don't I don't pay them. I don't pay parking fees. I don't pay resort fees. Um, I generally don't pay for a room. But there is a difference in the way that they treat you, or at least in the way that I'm treated, and. I'd rather pay and be treated nicely, I think, is uh, the key to it. You know, as the, as the bean counters have taken over, the conversations with my host have become substantially more about my theoretical and not, a, and not about my stay. And it isn't an issue of picking up the dinner because the play warrants it, but, you know, it used to be tell me how was your dinner tell me how was your stay did you have a good time you know what what are you celebrating or you know something like that and and this is across the board this isn't just um the main host that i use there is this bean counter mentality of your theoretical is x i will give you y percentage of x and if you spend over that it's on you now i don't mind picking up the bill but you know, it used to be uh, a handshake, a pat on the back, and what can I do to make your stay better? Those conversations aren't happening as often as they used to. It's really more of a that even even for players being comped, you know, they want to talk about. I don't want to say nickel and diming, but you know, uh, I had never been talked to about. Well, all right, there is a cost for your room, and there is a cost for this, and there is a cost for that. And there's like these running totals. And when I'm, I, I go to Vegas for various reasons. So I'm, I'm just going to refer to uh, trips that are, you know, purely um, for fun. 
And it's not as much fun as it used to be. It just isn't, right? But that, you know, it, it might just come with repetition. Yeah, sure. Right? So, you know, I don't want to be unfair, but clearly, you know, somebody from the East Coast who was willing to go practically monthly to Vegas, I'm now willing to fly all the way around the world to try something different. Yeah. Right? So if they were doing it right, I probably wouldn't take that trip. Interesting. Hey, Hunter, back in 16, when you guys were going, I, mean, I listened back to some of those 88 days uh, uh, early episodes, and, and, and I you know, get the sense when you listen to those that you and Chuck and, and maybe John a little bit uh, were kind of uh, tired of Vegas or just saturated by having gone so many times, you know, uh, and, you, and you want to try something new. I mean, do you think it was just a novelty factor that you, that you fell for – for Macau, or is there something deeper there? I mean, I, I, that's something I've always wondered about. Well, I will only speak for myself, um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a couple things happening there um, for me personally. So, in that era, uh, coming off of the super exciting like 2008, 2009, 2010 Las Vegas era, where you had hotel basically a major hotel opening every winter. Um, three years in a row, right? Encore, then City Center, then Cosmopolitan. Um, and then after that, of course, you know, those projects were all pre-recession or, uh, projects and nothing else was getting built. So there was this long period where there was nothing new. And, um, you know, the new stuff was one of, one of the things that I always found the most fun. So there's this long period where there was nothing new. And I, yeah, I got a little burned out on it. You know, I I will just be super clear. Uh, I love Las Vegas. I think it's great. I will continue to go there. It's awesome that people have so much fun. I listen to the callers on shows like Five Hundred by Midnight. They're so happy. They're having a great time. I mean, they're and I love that. That's great. And even if you know, maybe for me in certain circumstances, at least it's doesn't it's lost some of that luster. It's clearly they're doing a lot of things right. But yeah, you know, I think a it was something new and different, right? Seeing, especially seeing some of these brands that I'm totally familiar with reinterpreted through a different lens was very interesting for me, right? The Chinese version of Wynn and the Chinese version of Las Vegas Sands, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, you know, I also had a good experience, right? At least I shouldn't, you know, we should be fair and fully disclosed. Like the hotel experiences were good. There's a lot of, there's other stuff that wasn't good. Like the whole taxi cab experience in Macau is like a disaster, um, <laughs> very bad. They'll, they, if you, you'll read a lot of stories about getting scammed and like, there's a language barrier for people that uh, are only English speakers too, which doesn't help. But so there's definitely stuff that's terrible, but the, the hotel experiences that I had, the, the experiences in the casino resorts were really positive. And part of it was sort of what seemed like an enthusiasm for service that uh, is was the, the most notably different thing for me. People seemed excited. Like, they seemed to like their jobs. They seemed happy. No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, that was the impression I got. Um, I mean, maybe, possibly, that's a function of working in a brand-new resort and, and, you know, you're, you're getting off the ground, you're launching something, and you're, so you're psyched about it. Uh, but I think maybe it's deeper, too. And then also there's a cultural difference. I mean, uh, a lot of the people who work there, I, th- I think, are not just people from Macau, but all, uh, I think that a lot of them are from the Philippines. And my, my impression uh, of, uh, of the Philippines, I've actually been there, and uh, I've, I've interacted with a lot of Filipino people. Like, it, 
I mean, it's no wonder that a lot of customer service call centers are are uh, feature c- uh, Filipino um, workers. I, it's, it's it's no accident. Uh, uh, they're some of the warmest people that you'll ever meet. Um, I don't know. I just keep remembering this uh, Parts Unknown episode uh, with Anthony Bourdain where he goes to the Philippines, and you just kind of get an insight into that culture. And and it, and it translates in in Macau, like where. Those folks are are on the front line serving people, and and it's no wonder you feel so welcome there. I mean, that's that's been that was my experience anyway, my first time around. Yeah, that was mine too. And who knows? I mean, part of it also may have been the novelty of them serving like California white dude, blonde hair. I mean, I I I'm not their normal customer, right? So they look at me, and to a lesser degree, well, Chuck especially, right? And then oh, yeah. John. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not their average customer, so we're probably a bit of a novelty to them too, hmm. and so that may have been um, potentially part of the whole equation. You know, I guess you never know, but yeah, I just got a, a really positive vibe, and at least, especially at that particular moment, I think I was feeling a little bit more down on Vegas than I than I am like today, right? So I think it was a combination of those things, and I think when people commented on some of the podcasting we did back then, saying that it felt sort of overly negative, and we're just sort of Given, given Las Vegas made much too hard of a time. I think it's probably reflective of all those things combined. Sounds sounds like fair criticism, um, but that doesn't mean that uh, Macau isn't awesome. <laughs> I think it's great, but you know, not for everybody. I think I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about this at some point. We did a little bit before, but the the sort of overall sort of vibe is is different, right? And Las Vegas is very party central. I would say in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. big loud gambling and drinking are intertwined you know it's a big thing and that's just different it's just different in macau um and so yeah yeah Yeah. you know i never thought of it from their perspective but a visual of uh chuck john and hunter (laughs) from a uh macanese employee like yeah you you had to be a fairly novel um group to kind of spend their time with that's it's certainly different yeah i mean if you look at their visitor stats i think it's something like 90 percent are from china um and then the rest of the slices that are even measurable it's like australia japan um you know singapore malaysia a lot of koreans go there (laughs) okay korea and the u.s is like (laughs) this tiny 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 little sliver yeah, but even by U.S. standards, right? Like, the three of you are kind of a y- unique set of people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of cool. It's interesting to think about that, and who knows, maybe uh, other folks would have a different experience. But I, I, I hope that it lives up to the sort of expectation that we've set, and actually, you know, I hope we get to talk about that after we all return. And uh, especially Eric, I will love to hear, you know, how when you experience it, how it compares. So very cool. One of the other things that I had in this, we've got our, our uh, massive Google doc of topics. And one of the things that was in this bucket was talking about tipping, which is, you know, one of those things that's sort of different all over the world. In the U S we definitely have a, a tip culture, right? You sort of expected that you're going to leave a tip with your dinner unless you're a total jerk off. 
Um, <laughs> you, uh, the bar, bartender, all at XYZ, right? You tip the cab, you tip everybody. It's part of, it's sort of expected in many circumstances. It's funny trying to explain American tipping culture to non-Americans. They're like, wait, do I tip here or no? And you're like, yeah, no, we sort of internalize it all, right? But if you're not, if you're not from here or visit here often, it's, uh, it's more complicated than it seems. But mm -hmm. Macau, again, is different. So I guess, Han, I'd love to ask you, what was your tipping experience when you were in Macau last? I'm trying to remember, but I don't, I don't remember. Well, I think I tried to tip and then it, it's, I think I got weird looks from what I remember. Um, I mean, some, some took it, but it wasn't like they were expecting it or it was, just, I, I'm trying to rack my brain now. My, my recollection is that um, while like everywhere else in the universe, uh, well, I guess maybe not everywhere else, but most places, the credit card slip you get back has a line for a gratuity, or the room service slip that you sign has a gratuity line there. But my experience was that it didn't seem to be expected, and it definitely didn't seem to be expected at like, uh, I'm gonna you know take 20% of the total and add that as a tip. And when I did that, I got happy workers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and who knows, maybe that circles back to the beginning part of this conversation too, at least in some cases. But yeah, the, the, the folks, I mean, I'm especially thinking about restaurant servers and, um, and room service, you know, they would see that you left a tip at all and you left a tip that was, it, it seemed like bigger than what they were used to and they seemed to really appreciate it. So I, I don't know what sort of the sort of standard is. I, just found it easier to just like I'll, I'll leave them a tip. I mean, still in many cases, and I, we can talk about this too. But in many cases, what I was paying for stuff felt like it was a, a lot less expensive than it would have been in the the equivalent in the U.S. So I, adding a normal tip just didn't wasn't even a big deal. Um, but it was interesting to see the reaction because I definitely felt like they either weren't expecting it or it was more than they were expecting or whatever, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really can't remember because I think I, I, I think I remember eating at some kind of not buffet, but kind of these weird, and it's not exactly a a, a food court either. Uh, it, it was a, it's sort of like a food court, but not exactly, and it's all Asian food, so um, it's hard to describe. But it was in Galaxy, and I don't know if you encountered this hunter when you were there, but uh, it was a strange kind of food court like place, and you would. And you wouldn't pay directly cash. You'd have to get these like tickets. Oh, first. okay, no. Yeah, and then and then pay with these tickets. It was almost like one of those fairs. It was it was kind of strange, um, but the food was excellent. And in a place in a situation like that, you're not really tipping because you're, you're you know you're just getting your food from each station. Um, as far as SW, I, I remember. Yeah, I, I think I did tip there, but um, it, it was definitely cheaper there uh, than the SW in Vegas, for example. So. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it doesn't, I, I don't remember having to tip or having the pressure to tip and maybe getting some surprises when, when I did tip. So. Yeah, I definitely didn't feel the pressure. You know, in the U.S., people sort of take it, for, they expect it, right? I mean, you go to, especially you go to a nice restaurant and the service is good. And mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, if you walk out of SW in Vegas and you don't leave a tip, they're going to be like, whoa, what went wrong here? So, you know, it's definitely, in that case, it seems different. Maybe let's talk about some food stuff here for a bit because I remember some restaurants from last time. I'm still trying to figure out what's on my sort of must do list. I don't know how much research you guys have done into food at all, but there's a lot of great restaurant choices and I'm trying to figure out where we're going to eat because that's one of my favorite parts of the trip. So I don't know if you guys have specific restaurant plans. I'm basically what I'm doing is looking at some of the places that I went 
some of these last two times and figuring out what would be good to try, either try again or if there's something that I missed and trying to do that. Right now I've been pretty focused on the stuff in the hotels. I do have a couple notable places, I'll stick in our dock at some point, but I do have a couple notable places that are outside of the hotels that have been recommended by folks. Like Lena recommended a few places last time that I've had on the list for a couple years that sound interesting, especially trying to get some of that sort of local, more Portuguese influenced stuff. And so I'm excited about that. But I mean, yeah, so you mentioned SW Steakhouse. So that's at Wind Palace. I've been once. Uh, it sounds like you went as well. It's a pretty weird restaurant. <laughs> very, very strange. Yeah, I mean, folks may have that are familiar may have heard a little bit about it. The restaurant itself, other than one aspect, is very is similar to the Win Las Vegas version, and there's no uh, lagoon to look out over. But in terms of decor, it's in the same ballpark. But it's got this performance art segment thing. It's kind of hard to explain. There's a small stage which, with a combination of like special effects and video where they put on little skits. I think it's every half hour or something like that. And there's, I don't know, four, five, six of these. I can't remember exactly. They're, they're bizarre. And I, and I think uh, you guys said there were some crazy avant-garde shit. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's kind of weird. You know, the, um, before Steve Wynn uh, left the company, they were working on, in Vegas, they were working on this Paradise Park thing. And one of the centerpieces was going to be this King Kong on the island in the middle of this giant lagoon. And they have the King Kong in Macau. I'm sure this is where it got into his head. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it originally got into his head. But they've got one of these little vignettes is King Kong uh, outside of a window and a giant banana. And if you're listening to this saying, like, what? That's exactly right. What <laughs> the hell? Like, it is the weirdest thing. There's a bunch of them. Um, one of them is, like, in space with, like, a dolphin. I mean, it's just – it's so weird. I don't know how they came up with this stuff. And it – Basically, the, you're eating your nice steak, and the lights go down, and the stage shows you this weird thing, and then it lasts you know, a couple minutes, it's short, and then you go back to your meal. It's kind of like the Lake of Dreams, but without the lake and without the frog, but plus a bunch of really weird shit. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. I mean, it, it was so bizarre, and it was a bit distracting, actually. I don't know if I even enjoyed it. It was it was just bizarre, and I, I to be frank, uh, I didn't really even... L- like my steak there. Oh, I mean, no. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not up to uh, the standards that I'm used to. Me, I, I don't know where they source their meat, but um, I, I didn't I didn't like it that, that much compared to the, the, the steaks I had in the American SW. That said, I think everyone has to go. <laughs> if, you, if you go there, if you're in Macau, you need to check this weird thing out. Uh, and I kind of wonder now if the, they have, like, switched out those vignettes. Uh, yeah, right. I, I'd be very them. curious. Yeah. Right. Um, I, so there's a couple of other places that I'd love to mention, um, uh, but you know, as we're going through this, I'm really curious about your guys' planning. So how much have you thought about food? What kinds of food experiences do you like slash are you looking for? Like, are you looking to like, I want to go to SW because I want a really good steak and you know, it, it's something that sounds good. Or I want to find the weirdest uh, weird chicken. F- I mean, I shouldn't say weird because in many cu- many cultures it's totally <laughs> normal. Weird to me, um, chicken foot thing, uh, and I want to do that because that's you know part of the experience. Or h- how do you guys look at this stuff? Are you trying to find something that's pretty out there, that's closer to your comfort zone? I'm just curious how you how you think about the food piece. I like Chinese food. 
like authentic Chinese food. I like Portuguese food. Um, so I'm really just going to roll with it. I don't have uh, any like must-go places on the list. Um, I'm going to kind of play it by ear, I think, and just kind of follow whoever I'm with. Although, like the SW, I don't envision enjoying the vignettes. <laughs> I don't know that I'm like I'm really the target market for that, but I feel like I want to experience it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know I'm going to walk out saying, "Well, all right, I did it," but I still want to do it. Totally. You know, it's so weird. You've got to, you've got to at least sit there. Even if you don't have dinner, you can, they've got a tiny little bar. You can sit at the bar and have a cocktail or whatever, just for the experience of it, because it is quite strange. Quite strange. <laughs> um, okay. Well, the absolute must do is you got to get a low Lord Stowe's uh, yeah. egg tart, right? I mean, you know, and you can get that at in Venetian or I, I don't. Did you guys go to the original one? Yes. In, oh, you did. Yes. Ah, yeah. Okay. Were they any different? Were they any better? They seemed exactly the same. As far as okay. I know, they're like made in the same facility. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, then I don't, I don't know. I, it, but it was cool, was it? To, yeah. To go to the original one. The or? original one. So for those that don't know what he's talking about, um, Lord Stowe's they make egg tarts, which is a sort of traditional Macanese uh, dessert pastry thing, or just you know sweet sweet treat type thing. And the original is on Cologne in the sort of southernmost part of Macau. Uh, a little bit out of the way if you don't have your own transportation, but um, not far. Just uh, you know, you can't walk there, but um, it's easy to get to. Yeah, it was cool. You know, it's uh, it's very quiet. That part of the island is very sleepy and uh, sort of just overall low key. Well, you got to get that. As far as kind of higher end stuff, I mean, there there are probably two places that I'm curious about, although I'm not sure I'm going to pull the trigger. Um, one is called Laheen, and it's in the Ritz Carlton. Um, uh, Alistair from the 360 Vegas podcast, he had recommended that to me, and he he has been there, I think, at least once, if not twice. Is that um, the Chinese Cantonese restaurant? That's right, yeah. And then there's also um, the Rubichon restaurant yeah. in... in um, the Grand Lisboa, um, and I th- recall you guys tried to kind of uh, fake, <laughs> fake your way in. If not, <laughs> we so they are open. I think they're open for lunch and dinner. We yeah. did not intend to eat there, but we wanted to see if we could get a photo because it, it's at the top of the hotel, and the Grand Lisboa is this amazing, you know, tall. The, I think it's the tallest building, other than the Macau Tower, the tallest building in uh, on the peninsula. And so we tried to go, we did go up there, took the elevator to the top, uh, and it was one of those things where we couldn't even get off the elevator. There was a guy standing there and was just like, nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we got <laughs> turned around and went back down. Okay, so you didn't even get to see inside? Nope. Okay. I, I, I saw some pictures that um, Alistair had posted before, and, and it looked great. Oh, the only thing is, this is the thing about Macau I'm not quite sure about. Like, it seems like you have to dress, you don't have to actually dress up for these places. Like, like... It says you should, but I think if you're a big player, you can dress however you like. And yeah. So the, it's, there's these strange photos of uh, Alistair dressed up and then all these other uh, Chinese players who looked very dressed down. So <laughs> I think it's like, it's that's all like Vegas though, right? I mean, it's yeah, sure. like, um, you know, Las Vegas is the place where you'll have people having a thousand dollar dinner wearing, you know, I would probably not shorts, but close to it. Yep. Uh, yeah, those those are the two kind of high higher end places I'm interested in. I I would like to get off the casino, uh, you know, 
uh, out of the casino and, and check out some local places. But I, I have, I'm still in my uh, early research stage, and I'm kind of hoping Lino helps uh, us out to, to find the good places. Yeah, so there's a few places that I want to mention because um, they're sort of in my thought process, and do with them what you will. So we talked about SW. The sort of, maybe not strange, but uh, Widbicow, Encore, and Wind Palace have this weird thing where there's two wing lays and there's two 99 noodles and there's <laughs> like they've repeated their restaurants uh at both properties which you know is a little confusing i guess you're like i'll meet you at 99 noodles it's like okay which one um but you know that stuff is not really exceptional but fine um i did so i ate a few times at the fontana uh cafe buffet thing at uh, wind palace which is one of the restaurants out on the lake and you know it's just a really good have breakfast, have lunch kind of place with a wide variety of stuff. So I'll definitely probably be heading back there because it's easy and convenient. Can I ask you about something real quick? I, it, it, was it a true buffet in in the American sense, or what? It, what is that? When you know, what's a buffet in Macau? Because I, I don't I don't remember seeing too many there. It was yeah. It wasn't in like the Las Vegas sense of we have every kind of food and here get some pizza and some mashed potatoes and some turkey and some dim sum. It was more in like the, and I don't mean this in terms of quality, but it was in terms of uh, selection, it was more in like the airport hotel kind of <laughs> version where they have like a big bread area with all kinds of fresh baked whatever. And they had um, crepes that they were doing and had an egg station and they had like cereal and stuff. And uh, I think they had French toast and pancakes. It was actually pretty wet. It felt pretty Western. They did also have dumplings and a few other things like that, but it was pretty what I would think of as like a westernized breakfast buffet. Um, very, very good quality, very good food, and everything was really nice. Fruit, fresh fruit, all that kind of stuff. Not, not the full Vegas spread where they literally have everything, but um, you know, sort of targeted and high quality. So, that oh, sounds great. The sort of equivalent at Win Macau, there's there's two cafe places: the es- Cafe Esplanada and Cafe Encore. And I ate at both a bunch of times. Mostly because it was easy, they were open all the time, but, you know, good coffee and good, easy food, big menu with a bunch of stuff. Basically, a lot of these places will have a Chinese food menu or a, or a dim sum menu and then a sort of regular menu. And both of these places have both of those too, which so given meaning there's like quite a bit to choose from. So I'm sure I'll find myself in both of those places again. In those spots, are, are is uh, Steve's soundtrack uh, playing constantly over you as you're trying to relax? Or You know, or, <laughs> I don't recall i want to say no i want to say that in both cases so in both cases cafe encore especially is open to the um sort of walkway between the encore and wind casinos and esplanada is semi-open and also the other side of it is the pool i wanted i want to say it was like taylor swift (laughs) um it was like american pop music which is like a lot of what I heard in the casino was, you know, stuff like that. I mean, Taylor Swift immediately comes to mind, but that was, it was, it felt like a lot of like popular music stuff and no, okay. no Steve that I can remember. Okay. I, you know, I mean, I know he, he likes his show tunes. So <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't remember. I think it was, I think it was mostly current, uh, con- contemporary pop music. Got it. We, so one of the places that I'm curious about going back to is Winglei Palace. So that's like their, you know, big heavy hitter Chinese restaurant at Wind Palace. And uh, we had lunch there. So we did this tour 
of Wind Palace with the PR people, and they took us to lunch afterwards. And so they gave us sort of a prefix course thing where they had set the menu, and I have a picture of it somewhere, and I can't remember exactly what was included, but it was amazing. And of course, they were showcasing stuff and trying to put their best foot forward, but it was really great. And so I'd like to go back because it was just a really great spot. And so I'm curious about doing that again. Eric, would you be interested in, in doing any of those things, or is that just like... All of them. Yeah. yeah. I'm, right, cool. I'm easy. And I, I mean, dim sum is uh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You, you let me know uh, when and where I'll be there. The, there's a couple of other sort of more outside of the casino places that are amazing. And so last, the first time we went, um, Lino took us to a Portuguese place called Miramar, which is on Cologne. It's sort of up in the hills. It was amazing. I mean, it was like one of the best meals I've ever had. He sort of, he's been there 10,000 times and he um, ordered for the table and did a great job in navigating that stuff. And it was, you know, uh, as far as I understand it, a traditional Portuguese menu, really, really good. Um, we had a really great time. It was, <laughs> it was June and we sat outside. So I was like sweating to the bone, but it was an amazing meal. And so I, I would always be down to go back there. But one of the other places I remember talking to him after that trip and we ta- he mentioned a place, ta- I believe it's called Dom Gallo, which is on the peninsula, a block from MGM. So it's actually very easy to get to. He was saying that it has excellent Portuguese food. And so that's a place that I'm definitely eyeing because I would love to, you know, continue to try some of the local stuff. So when I was there, honestly, I I had more uh, Chinese food, and I I don't think I actually had Portuguese food. What exactly is in Portuguese food? I, I yeah. what, what is it more like that, like you know, a person like myself might 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 know understand? I'm no expert. I'm gonna probably miss a lot of big chunks here, but the stuff that I have had so. I'm trying to think back. We had an amazing clams in like garlic butter sauce. That was, it seems like the garlic is like, they have a lot of garlic in Portugal because everything was like covered in garlic. And I love garlic. So this is very compatible with my personal taste. But yeah, we had this, and then we had a a, a really incredible like bean and beef stew. So like very hearty. Um, There's a lot of butter, a lot of, like I said, a lot of garlic. So it was a lot of flavor. Um, and then we had a, I can't remember the type of fish it was, you know, again, this broiled fish that was just, it was just pretty, it was pretty great. So I, I'm not doing a great job of narrowing down what Portuguese food really is, but it's, you know, it's very European and it's, it's got a lot of flavor, sort of heavy sauces and like I said, garlic and butter and stuff. It's probably not very good for you, but, uh, it was damn good. It sounds (laughs) terrific. It was quite good. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Of course, the other thing that I absolutely have to do is the pork chop bun. So this is like one of my favorite things in the whole world. And for those that don't know, I didn't know that this existed until I saw the Bourdain show on Macau. One of the segments, he visits uh, this tiny little shop in Taipa and gets a pork uh, pork bun sandwich. So basically, it's uh, fried pork chop on a bun and you eat it as a sandwich. It sounds very simple. It really is. I actually have his uh, most recent cookbook that he did before he before he passed away that includes this recipe. I have made it here at home multiple times. I'm a big fan, but you have to have the Macau version. And so this little tiny shop in Taipa, there's a bunch of places that, that sell it. It's kind of like the, the egg tart where Lord Stowe's is the originator and the most famous, but a lot of other people make them. And I definitely will be going to Taipa to have my, my pork chop on. 
I need to follow you there. I I totally missed that the last two times, and I was kicking myself uh, both times for not making enough time to get 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 there because um, that sandwich looks amazing. I I just jet. I would definitely recommend it. I mean, part of it is the bread. Whatever they do to make this like, I think it's a Portuguese style roll. But whatever they do to make the roll, the bread is a really important part of it, which is making it here in the states um, without a good uh, bakery is hard to do because you just can't get the same bread that they have. Yeah, I mean, that whole spot, even uh, in addition to just having the sandwich, the sort of type of village there, I think is a, a must visit because it's just this, you know, it's ancient little, well, I shouldn't, I actually don't know how old it is, but <laughs> it feels ancient. Uh, this little village with, you know, all kinds of little shops crammed together and there's a ton of people around. It's it's sort of the antithesis of the huge Kotai Strip casinos, which is funny because you can, if you like stand on one leg and look closely you can see galaxy from you know from the street so it's like right in the shadow of these giant mega casinos it's this charming uh, amazing little spot so i'm looking forward to going back there too so do you, do you think uh well i guess my question is it would would your is your wife more into the cultural things outside of casinos or is she as into casinos as you are i i, I don't really know her that well and she i know she's going to be on the trip so you, you want her to have a great time no she is um so is she into as into casinos as i am no i don't think so uh she's um spent a lot of time in casinos by virtue of hanging out with me and and enjoys them she likes you know she loves video poker so there's we've got that going for us but no i think she wants to see it all right i think She's mostly just hoping that we'll, you know, we'll get to see a bunch of different stuff and it'll be good. But I think she's looking forward to the sort of slice of life stuff in addition to the big sort of corporate mega casino stuff. And so a combination of everything. Yeah, that sounds that's that sounds great. I I think I'm gonna do a little bit more of the culture stuff than I did in the, in the past two trips where where I was pretty much nerding out walking through the casinos. We should talk. That's I think that's a whole topic we should talk about sometime because. I did do, and I think it is in this sheet too somewhere. We'll get to it, I'm sure. But I did do some cultural stuff in both cases, but I'd like to do more. And there's stuff that I'm sort of trying to figure out if it's worth my time or not. And so on a future show, I guess we can talk more about some of those details. But I I, I like to sort of mix and match. I mean, I, I love spending time in the casinos, uh, but there is a lot of other stuff too. So, Yeah, I mean, for Eric, I, I know he'll want to spend time in the casinos, and I wouldn't blame him, Ike. When I first got there, I was just like blown away, and I wanted to just like explore every nook, nook and cranny. Uh, but there is this whole other uh, world out there outside of these casinos that are that's just uh, probably equally as amazing, and um, it's hard to just cram everything in, you know. Um, well, um, I certainly won't be able to do everything in one week, right? Like sure. I, I, yeah. I know that going in. But this is this is this initial trip which is going to determine how often, if ever, I'm going to come back. So it would be short-sighted to spend all of my time in casinos. Before we move on from, from dining, though, I, I did want to ask you, Hunter, when you were over there, at some point did you just, like, freak out and want a hamburger or, <laughs> or a chicken, piece of regular Kentucky Fried Chicken or something yes. like that? And, and what did you do when you had that hankering? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Because yeah, I I I think in the just to give the listeners some insight in the doc, I think you wrote where to go for food when homesick, and that's actually a really good way of putting it. I think because um, so the previous two trips, uh, I was with friends, but my wife was not there, and of course I missed home, I missed my wife, I missed my dog, 
uh, as much fun as I was having and I had a great time both times, you know, you get homesick. I think that's totally normal. You get especially a few days in and you're like, oh, this is great, but eh, you know. And so especially when you're in a place that's so different and I, I definitely felt, I viscerally felt the difference in everything. I did retreat a bit. And so I think it was, a, for me, it was a combination of things. So one was, in, in my experience, all of the hotels have really excellent room service that has, usually has like, it's it, it's pretty rare if they don't have like a cheeseburger on the menu or like a piece of, or like pizza or something. Both of which I eat way more than I should uh, because I enjoy them both. So that was definitely part of it. I do absolutely remember going to, I think it was Burger King um, <laughs> at the, I, I can't remember, it was, it was one, it was, I think it was Burger King at the Venetian. And, you know, that's the last thing you expect, right? You're in Macau, you're at the Venetian, which is like, what, the biggest casino in the world? And you're like, I could eat anywhere. I'm going to go to Burger King. <laughs> and that was just a total retaliate. It was total just crawling into the shell and being like, I just want something that tastes normal. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I've been to a Burger King, but it was mm. just exactly what I wanted. I didn't go to McDonald's. I think Chuck did. Okay. But yeah, that was, that was the Burger King is the thing I think of when I get asked that question. Uh, Eric, do you, do you like Hunter mentioned pizza? But I know you're quite a pizza uh, connoisseur or or snob. <laughs> snob, uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, uh, I don't imagine you're going to enjoy the pizza in Macau, um, given that factor. But I, I, I can't, I can't imagine them screwing up a, a cheeseburger, right? I mean, that's Hunter. I mean, I, it's 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 done well. So right? I, I'll I'll interject for a second, but I yeah. I want to hear Eric's take a take on this expectation. So I'll say two things. One. Um, I had some pretty good pizza in Macau, actually. I'm not going to say it's as good as I, I consider New York New York pizza to be the gold standard. Um, I It's not as good as that, but I had good pizza both um, at, uh, at it, I think it was Wynn Room Service, and there was another spot that now I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, I, I actually had better, oh, Il Teatro at Wynn also, at Wynn Macau. But cheeseburger, yeah, I had a bunch of good cheeseburgers, and so no, they, they did a great job. So I don't envision having the homesick desire for, uh, you know, not normal food, but normal to you food. I would, well, Han travels quite a bit too. I, I don't, I don't know Hunter, how many like trips abroad you've taken for extended periods of time. I remember that being a thing, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of past that. I don't, imagine at any point in time i'm going to want burger king like i don't i don't i don't i don't see it happening um but do you even eat burger king at home i, I don't know yeah no well, me neither no yeah but i mean i like i can understand if we were there for a month i'm sure i would hit a point where i just wanted something that was american and you know felt like home uh, but I'm only going to be there a week, and I've been in foreign lands for more than a week and never had that, like, oh, look, there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Let's go there. Um, you know, I, I, I guess 
We'll see. It's going to be the answer. But I mean, if you can get a cheeseburger in the room, and that's what I need, that'll that'll fit the bill. And Hunter, your nod to New York is the gold standard. You're okay in my book. I don't, <laughs> that's that's it. You're you're golden. Oh, yeah. Boy. Sorry, Chicago. Your pizza is uh, terrible. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We've had this conversation going on for a while. I'm we'll, sure you have. We won't repeat it here. Chicago is an amazing place, but sorry, the pizza is like soup. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm, I'm making sure that's the last word on pizza. <laughs> uh, I did not intend to go to Burger King. It was not part of my plan. I ended up there. We'll see what happens. No, I, I get you. I, I have been, I, I don't know, maybe I'm uh, too sentimental. I, I have been fortunate enough to, to do a fair amount of traveling uh, here and there, but uh, I do sometimes miss home and, uh, and for whatever reason, the, the, the Burger King spoke to me. But the burger in the um, the various room service burgers that I had were definitely way better. Okay. Hunter, when I was there, I didn't do much room service. Did you find the cost of room service much higher than, say, in a Vegas uh, hotel? Or was it like, I don't know, what was it like? I did room service yeah. a bunch because I'm lazy, and it was almost universally significantly less expensive than Las Vegas, especially. So, you know, in Vegas, it's pretty easy to, to spend a bunch of money on room service, you know, when you start adding it up uh, for a couple of people. It adds up pretty quick. And sort of the, the equivalent, it felt like, and I, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but it felt like it was, I don't know, maybe 60% of the cost of what it would have been in Vegas, and the food was just nice. as good. If not better, I mean, it depends on the item, but they also had a nice variety. I really love dumplings, and so having that on every menu as an option was always, uh, you know, wins a lot of points in my book. But no, I had really great room service experiences, you know, good orders, good food, correct orders, good food, prompt delivery. My room service experience overall across all of the hotels was really positive. Yeah, I just remember some of those episodes where uh, on, on the eighty eight days podcast, and someone comes in the room and they, you know, pop the beers, and it just sounds, it just seemed cool. You know? <laughs> we uh, yes, we were at the Sands Cote Central, yes, in my room at the Conrad, and uh, we had the guy come and bring us the beer, and he was a special guest for mere <laughs> moments. But yes, <laughs> you know, the other thing that um, I appreciated was both. Room service, and I would say generally was that the coffee was pretty good. I love a good cup of coffee, and obviously it's easy to have a really bad cup mm-hmm. of coffee um, anywhere. And I, I'm trying to remember if there was, you know, certain places that were better than others. I think I feel like Wynn at both hotels generally had pretty good coffee, which is you know welcome. So one thing we can talk about, and we touched on this a little bit, is sort of packing and clothes and what you bring because Macau is hot and if you're going to spend any time outside uh, at least for me I'll speak for myself at least for me you know that means sweaty and gross and so you know the planning what to wear on these trips I was always trying to figure it out uh, this the second time I went I actually brought a suit and tie I wore that to uh, to SW definitely not necessary <laughs> in terms of protocol and I won't do that again. I mean, it was kind of fun, but I, uh, you know, wasn't de- definitely wasn't required. But I just found, like, generally speaking, I like to wear. I would like to wear a lot of shorts when I was outside because it was so hot. But there were some places, and I guess maybe this happened more um, when I was over visiting in Hong Kong than in Macau. But there were some places that they 
or anti-shorts. I remember this, and this was in um, Hong Kong, but I remember trying to go into the peninsula to have a drink at the bar, and they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I had the exact same experience. I had the exact, yeah, I was rejected there. And uh, I believe in the Mandarin Oriental in Macau, you can't go in certain areas with just shorts on, from what I remember. Um, I could be wrong about this, but i that's my memory of it, you know. So I'm just wondering how that influences what you wear. I mean, we're talking about the the weather a little bit last time as it relates to how hot it's going to be. You know, I want to be comfortable. And so I also don't want to be excluded from doing stuff. So I'm always trying to figure out what I'm going to bring and how how I'm going to handle it and try and find stuff that isn't going to suffocate me. I just take a bed sheet and go in a toga. I mean, it, it makes packing so much easier and, you know, it's simple. Perfect. I love it. I'll try that. Yeah, I'm just going to take some, you know, seriously, uh, probably just take like two pairs of khakis and a couple of shorts. I, I'm cramming everything into one bag. This is the same thing I did when I went on my trip to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and uh, Qatar. It's, I just want to travel as light as possible and then use laundry services uh, when I can. Because it's just like the first trip I went, I, I, we just packed way too much crap. And it just was turned out to be a burden as we're jumping from hotel to hotel. That is going to be an interesting piece of this too, because I, I usually pack, I, I usually personally um, err on the sort of lighter side. And last time I did use laundry a few times, and it actually worked out really well. But my wife is like, you know, she'll bring everything in the book, and you know, she wears ten percent of it, and so I'll have to, I'll have to see if we can negotiate down to a, a smaller payload. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I generally pack very light. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see the need. Like, if I'm going for seven days, I'll need clothes for three days and do laundry halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I, I like that strategy. And like, like I was saying, I had really good experiences with getting my stuff back, you know, in a reasonable time and all that stuff worked really well. And it's just easier, right? Just having less stuff to lug around. I'm, I'm a big fan. So. Yep, the lighter the better for me. How about we uh, tap it off there? We've got plenty of stuff for future episodes. I think, you know, we were talking before we started, um, we're hoping to get a show out to you guys once about every two weeks or so, give or take, you know, how schedules go with uh, all that stuff. So that's that's our aim. We'll see uh, how well we do in that department. But we've got a lot of ideas about stuff to talk about, but we would love to hear from you guys if you're interested in certain topics, something we covered or didn't cover, questions about anything. We'll give both correct and incorrect answers, depending on how knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free. I think you know, as part of this, we'll tweet out uh, interest uh, info about the show, and you can respond to those tweets. Uh, that's sort of mysterious, but you'll—I'm sure you guys will figure it out. The the folks that are interested in the stuff, I think you probably know where to find us. So love to hear back from you guys about how you think uh, things are going and if there's anything that we should be talking about but i'm having a really good time talking about this stuff this is a lot of fun and hopefully you folks listening are enjoying it too so any last uh, any last words last words that's not so <laughs> ominous any any parting parting thoughts from either of you guys um no i'd love to hear the feedback if you guys like it let us know if you don't like it like us let us know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, let us know if you want us to talk about any particular properties, for example. Um, oh yeah. Or you know, I don't know, certain parts of town. I you know, maybe we can focus on the peninsula versus the the Kotai Strip, something like that. I don't know. Um, or any kind of logistical things. I'm really into 
uh, explaining how to get from one place to another. Uh, <laughs> I like I like talking about that stuff. So if you have questions about that, uh, raise them. Perfect. And I, you know, we'll, uh, we're we're months away. We we may have a, a full on Beatles level falling out by then. But uh, I think our intention is to I don't know if the stars align. Actually, maybe do a recording in Macau. That would be amazing. If that's even if that's not possible talk after we get back too so we'll have an opportunity if someone has a burning question about something specific we can be your on the ground researchers uh, within reason so <laughs> you know of course if there's something specific you're interested in let us know and we'll, we'll do our best to uh, to figure it out so great well thank you guys this was super fun and uh, have a great night and talk to you guys soon you too hunter see ya eric yep take care guys thanks <laughs>